Hey there, welcome back to the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast, the podcast that uncovers stories, equips leaders, and changes the world. And we are your hosts, James Lee. And Gabby Corbett. And today, our guest is Andrew Rue. And Andrew Rue is a former GNJ local pastor. Andrew has since moved on to work in advertising and technology, working for global brands such as Warner Media, Publixis, and Oracle. Today, Andrew joins the podcast as treasurer on the board of My Sanctuary Healing Inc., a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to restoring lives impacted by spiritual abuse and trauma within American Christian churches. Welcome, Andrew. We're so glad you're here today. Thanks, Gabby. Happy to be here. So, Andrew, yeah, it's been a while since we've actually talked. <laughs> so I'm so glad that we could connect um, and, and have this podcast as an excuse to like catch up. But uh, have you been? What, what's going on in your life? Oh, you know, um, well, on the surface, you know, same old, but a lot of stuff in the works. Um, you know, just to rewind a couple of steps back for your for your listeners, James and I go way back. We uh, we went to college together at Rutgers. Um, he was too cool to hang out with me regularly, but you know, I, I try my best. Completely so. the other way around. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. so you know that's that's debatable, but you know, uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, again, really really glad to be here. Grateful to be here. Thank you for um, you know offering me the space to um, share about some of the stuff that's been happening. So um, yeah, um, to to sort of uh, talk about what's in the present, as you mentioned. Um, I am currently on the board of My Sanctuary Healing, which is a fledgling nonprofit that um, I was really lucky to be one of the founding um, board members of. Um, the goal of the organization is to, um, you know, help people rebuild their lives after mm -hmm. experiencing spiritual and religious trauma within, um, specifically within the within the um, walls of the American church. So, um, you know, that's just where we're starting, not out of anything specific. We just see that need mm -hmm. in our personal lives and in our local community. So that's where we're starting. Um, and I think you know one of the things one of the things that differentiates our approach is that um, we are from the get go. Uh, we have uh, clinical um, you know clinical practitioners and licensed social workers on our staff and on our board. To um, and you know one of them also happens to be an ordained minister in the Reformed Church of America. So we have these um, these resources that we're really excited to um, share with not only those who are impacted by spiritual trauma in their own lives and trying to pick the pieces back up, but also to churches. So, you know, I know a couple of episodes back, I was listening to the podcast and Gabby, you were talking about safe sanctuaries. That's mm -hmm. exactly the type of things that we want to be able to um, help, you know, underpin with uh, resources, with substance. And not only that, but, you know, um, prevent this really, really horrible thing from happening to people that not only robs them of their faith, it sometimes robs them of their finances, their family, their so their mm -hmm. social circles, um, their mental well-being, mm -hmm. so many things that we um, that we store within mm -hmm. the walls of the church for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Andrew, uh, I know many of our listeners are from Greater New Jersey in the United Methodist Church, and many folks know you either as the video person uh, I was. I still get called Andrew from now and then because I, I've since uh, <laughs> become the video person after you, and also as a, a church planter and a person that was leading a very exciting ministry uh, for a lot of folks. And then 
at least for some folks, they felt like you kind of disappeared, right? Sure. I know there's a lot that happened there. Just however much you feel comfortable sharing, just let our folks know uh, sort of your spiritual journey and how where you are now, where you are not as a you're not serving in ministry as a pastor uh, currently. Sure. Yeah. No. Thank you, James. Um, so just to fast forward, I, I know everyone's gonna you know, start falling asleep when I say starting with my childhood, but I'll try to zip through it as fast as possible. So <laughs> I grew up in the United Methodist Church, Korean United Methodist Church in Northern New Jersey. It was my life. I loved it. Great experience. I was really, really active in youth group, really, really active in like anything young adult, you know, that the the, the denomination would throw at us. You know, I went to mm-hmm. these awesome trips like in like Russia, you know, with the, with the conference and all these things. Um, Going into college, you know, like a lot of us, you know, I'm a pastor's kid as well. So, you know, we want to kind of uh, bust out and, you know, do things that we feel like we couldn't do. So, you know, I did some of that Um, along the way. I I did feel a calling back to ministry um, around, I think, like my junior year in college. I I was yanked back and, um, you know, but in a different way. It was really interesting because my faith the faith that formed within me in college was different than my mm-hmm. my heritage faith, right? Um, the first organizations that 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 spoke to me about Jesus in college was Campus Crusade, and um, you know this really really um, conservative, you know, orthodox, not really orthodox, but pretty orthodox, um, you know, community of young adults under yeah. the Christian Reformed Church. So, like, not to de- villainize or anything like that, but these are flavors of the faith that are a little. Mm, stricter, rigid, right, mm-hmm. and um, demand a, a a more stringent lifestyle. So um, that was attractive to me. It, it was um, a faith that called my old faith, you know, like milk toast. You know, like you're doing it halfway. Why don't you do it all the way now? I'm mm-hmm. sure that you guys hear this, you know, and like your ecumenical groups and stuff. You know, like it's not like we're the most hardcore group of people. But mm-hmm. um, that being said, that was what attracted me to it. So that's what my um, my my ministry and my idea of ministry, you know, the expectations of myself and from other people, all of that was sort of crafted within that context. Wow. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it was pretty interesting, you know, coming out of college. Um, we didn't get, you know, we weren't released into the hottest job market. You know, it was like 2010, and um, you know, it was a lot like right now. Um, you know, houses don't make sense. Prices don't mm-hmm. make sense, so it was like that. And and you know, I, I was I was aimless for a little while. And um, you know, people from the UMC, uh, you know, I just started talking to them, and a lot of people gave me tons of opportunities. You know, um, once in a lifetime opportunities, the ability to um, interview people who are impacted by Hurricane Sandy, um, to be able to be one of the founding um, people to try out Mosaic Ministries. You know, like, and that was it's these are you know, just um, really wonderful friendships, wonderful experiences. So coming out of that, I was like, okay, um, I want to plant my own church. You know, I want to I try it out. I, I cut my teeth and n- not, now I want to sink into something. You know, I, I want to yeah. do something. So mm-hmm. I partnered with a pastor that was a little bit older than I was. And um, we, we um, ventured off. And this was my first time, sort of leaving the itinerant system in my in my years of ministry, kind of going out and doing on my doing it on my own, or what I thought was, you know, I was trying to shape as my own. Mm-hmm. So after that happened, something that something that immediately occurred was that um, my finances became really shaky. 
One of the reasons is because obviously in order to take this leap, I did take a practical pay cut um, and I measured and I was like, you know what, this is a hit that I could take. But coming out of it, all of a sudden, I wasn't really protected by any kind of like, you know, ecumenical structure or not ecumenical, but like, you know, like organizational structure. Like a denominational um, connectional structure. Right. right. Sure. Sure. Um, so what and I was like in my late 20s, so I still didn't really know how like, well, that's not an excuse, but I didn't really know how money worked that well. Anyway, right. but I still don't know how money works that well. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> but um, I, I started my part my partner in ministry started yanking and pulling and pushing my my salary around so every month i could be making $2000 or i could be making $600 i don't know right it, it it really was dependent on that person's needs so that person was like hey church is having a hard time. I'm, ha I'm having a hard time. You're single and uh, whatever. So um, you're the one who's going to take the smallest hits. So we're going to take a $400 haircut off of your salary this month. So um, that became a problem because I was also renting out my uh, renting out an apartment that was $750 a month. So the, the math just doesn't really add up. Insult to injury, we were holding church services at the apartment that I couldn't afford. So it was like a pretty if i think back i'm like oh man you know like how did i put myself in that situation nevertheless mm -hmm. it happened um it, it that happened for a while and um along the way a friend sat me down and the conversation started with andrew your skin looks terrible hmm. and i was like oh, oh thanks a lot you know good to see you too um but um <laughs> You know, this friend was someone that I served with in ministry a long time ago since left the church and stopped going. Um, but, you know, when I was experiencing maybe like um, just ignorance and, um, you know, people didn't want to care. They want to look the other way. People weren't really wanting to invest in my pain in the church. This guy who hasn't been going to church, who doesn't really adhere to the faith, who doesn't really care about being Christ-like, comes to me and becomes Christ. He's mm -hmm. like, he's like, you know, you deserve more than this. You know, you, you, you're hurting, you know, you're, you're, you're in pain, you're unhealthy. He, he said, um, there's a job out there for you in my industry that I feel like you can kill it in. And he trained me. He took time out of his day to train me. I think back to that now, and that's so crazy to me. Who comes back from work at six o'clock in the evening and stays with his friend in like a crummy apartment till 9 p.m. teaching them about technology? That's what mm -hmm. he did. And I interviewed. He stuck his neck out for me. His friend was a VP at the time at a company. I got my first corporate ladder job at 28. And that day I called that partner and I was like, I'm done. And I walked out forever. Um, and you know, it was, that was a long time ago. And for the next six years, I was really, really angry and really, really frustrated at everything. You know, um, when these experiences happen within the church, and I know that as practitioners and, you know, as like, uh, pastors, I've been in that boat before. And a lot of times it feels so unfair that, you know, these traumas that are being, um, that are. I mean, these experiences that are happening between individuals, between groups, how can they blame the church? How can they blame God? But that's what happens when that anger festers. And when that, when you let it just like sit on its own, it becomes 
the hatred becomes, it spreads to everything, you know, mm-hmm. and it spreads to God too. It's um, my whole thing. The thing that I struggled with for the past six, for, for six years after that was, um, God, how could you call me and then, and then just turn around and walk away like that? There was a point when I told my partner in ministry that I was food insecure and he dropped off a, a, a bag of canned goods, didn't call, didn't ring my doorbell and just walked away. Um, how could you call me? Hmm. And, and, and this is your response to my need. You know, so I was so angry. But, but it's not a, zooming out, right? It wasn't about all of that. It was just this one guy who, whatever, you know, that's his whole prerogative. But it wasn't God doing that to me or anything like that. But that's what it became. Mm-hmm. Um, I festered in it for six years until it started spreading into parts of my life that are really sacred to me, like my my marriage and, and my family. You know, like hate is something that just pushes through all the barriers and compartments in your life. And <clears throat> at that point, I was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. It's too tiring. It's too exhausting. Um, I need help. So I sought therapy. Um, it took a couple of tries, but um, eventually I um, found this practitioner who used to be ordained or, or is ordained, but not actively serving in a mainline denomination, who also happened to be a licensed uh, social worker and a clinical therapist. So I was like, okay, you know, this is an obvious home run. So I um, started, you know, uh, meeting her. And then along the way, um, ran into some folks who are part of her support groups or you know part of her clientele that are also experiencing trauma from from their church experiences and specifically trying to move forward from it in mm-hmm. faith there are a lot of people who are just like okay experiences i'm done with the whole thing baby bathwater house goodbye you know but i didn't know that there were these people that are so desperately seeking their way back to some semblance of faith. And I was just so blown away by the beauty of the conversations in the community there. I've never seen a community that is so starkly, so rawly just wanting Jesus. Yeah. Like how crazy is that, right? Like, like it's like something I dreamed about every day as a minister. You know, you go to the pulpit and people are literally clawing at you because they want to feel hope again. And they want to feel they want to hear the truth again and they want it to be relevant to them again. It's like, it was the most inspiring thing I've ever seen. And I almost wanted to have like my stole on again, because that's how, I mean, like it would be such a home run, but here I am. I don't have one. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, um, I'm not part of the system anymore. So what am, what can I do? Um, I asked that question and, um, and that's kind of how he tripped and fell into my sanctuary healing. Um, it's a 501c3 that, um, I mean, we're not, we're not rolling in the dough. Um, and most importantly, we're not approaching this thing first from that place. Um, where we're at right now is um, we just want to hear, we just want to listen. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we want to listen to the stories from the ground of people who are victims of abuse. Um, also from people who are leading churches who are really like, you know, struggling right now and confused because they see this deconstruction stuff happening. They see a lot of people walking out of the church, a lot of sad things, you know, a a lot of their colleagues walking out of the church and they're like, what is going on? You know, what more could I possibly do? Um, We, 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 we want to listen. 
And we want to, from there, from listening to both sides, build paths towards holistic healing, right? Lord knows, it's not only the individuals that need it right now, our churches need it desperately too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Andrew, thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, when's the last time you shared that story with somebody? Um, you know, it's funny, I share it almost every week now. Um, so every go. Wednesday, um, My Sanctuary Healing hosts a Zoom meeting online where people from coast to coast, I mean, we recently invited someone from California and she comes on. Um, we meet and uh, it's like a support group. Um, we talk a little bit about uh, the harm that we experienced. Um, we we speak truth and life and teach others' lives and try to figure out a way uh, figure out a way out of it. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it's in this group that I share my story almost every week because, wow. um, not that not because it's like an awesome story or whatever, but um, I found that it makes people feel uncrazy. You know, when they come on and they're like, this church like beat me up and I feel terrible and they, they, they kick me out and I don't know who I am. When I say mm-hmm. my story and I say I was a pastor and that happened to me too, um, people feel uncrazy. And if that's all, if that's all the power that story has, I would love to exhaust it for all it's worth because that's a wonderful thing. Mm. There's um, a thing that pops up on Facebook fairly often and I reshare it every time that says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. Right. And I love that. Right. And I think that that is what the church should be in general, mm. right? Would the church should be a safe place in which shame dies? Because I think that, you know, I've been in ministry for a long time and I've served in a lot of different places and in a lot of different contexts and it's the abuse is there left and right. And, mm. you know, especially now, as more and more people are finding their brave spaces to be able to share their narratives and feel like they're not the only person who's ever experienced this before. Uh, the more that we get to kind of say, okay, how do we, how do we approach this? How do we um, hear these stories and say, we have to do something about this if we want the church to survive. And I don't mean a denominational structure or a building or anything other than the community that Jesus calls us to be a part of. Mm. Right. And that's, it sounds like that's really a lot of the work that you guys are doing with my sanctuary healing. Religious trauma is so prevalent in a thousand different ways. I was just interviewed a couple weeks ago for somebody's doctoral research on young clergy women. And uh, the way that she framed out the um, questions is what advice have you been given by people either in congregations or um, district superintendents? She happens to come from a Methodist point of view um, or the structures about how to survive in ministry and sitting down and sort of recounting some of the stories of, you know, somebody told me that they would no longer receive communion from me because I wore pants. Oh man. Right. Like (laughs) (laughs) somehow wearing pants (laughs) destroys the whole mystery. Destroys the sacrament. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. It's just Uh -uh. done. And and when that person (laughs) left the church, Mm. she started worshiping in another community Mm. 
And I, I texted the pastor and I was like, Hey, just so you know, like, here's the deal. Uh, and his comment back to me was, do you think I should wear a skirt the first time I serve communion? Like, <laughs> you know, cause she'll wow. right. This person would take communion right. for me wearing pants. Sure. And it's right. A very small narrative of, of all of the different things, but where do we give folks space to be able to talk about this? And not just in a, let's talk about all of the horrible things that we've experienced in ministry, but what do we do about it? Right. And how do we help people who have been so harmed by the church find Jesus again? Hmm. Because right. Jesus is not, we have, I think created this narrative that Jesus is the church. Right. And Jesus is not, we all know that Jesus is not the church. So how do you help people find Jesus again? So I'm interested to kind of know what has your reconstructing of your own faith journey been like in this process? Yeah. Yeah. Um, big question. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. No, seriously. It's, it's a, I think it's a big question because that's like the real that's the real unknown, right? And I think that that's the scariest thing around deconstruction when like pastors and church leaders talk about it because you don't know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it ended for me um, is that I I feel like today um, the faith that I have is is enriched by my experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, not It doesn't explain my experiences, but um, I, I, I feel... I feel like my my calling has been rewired and repurposed mm-hmm. and I feel like um I feel really close to yeah I just feel really close to Jesus when I when I sort of write down on paper what what God's put in front of me you know which is a yeah. a group of people who are you know um who are for whatever reason um in a religious setting they have been persecuted and they just earnestly want to find some truth and I feel like that's describes a lot of people Jesus spoke to as well back in his day. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, for me, I, 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 when I think about the word deconstruction, I sort of like wrinkle my nose at it because it's a little bit um, Oppenheimer-y. Um, well, it's I, a little what's bit... wrong with Oppenheimer? I love that movie. It's, But it is about the destruction of all things. So, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, Andrew, in a previous conversation, you did say that you prefer the term renegotiation versus yes. deconstruction. Mm. So what's the difference there? And kind of let us know what does it mean to renegotiate your faith as opposed to deconstruct? Sure, sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I think about deconstruction first, I think about, um, do you guys remember the show Scrubs? Um, yeah. About doctors? Yeah. 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 Okay, <laughs> cool. So, 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 um, Scrubs. There's this one episode that I really love that that um, I really resonated with as a minister, which was this episode where um, their chief of medicine bemoans that nobody respects him anymore as a doctor. So there's this flashback where he went to a barber shop and they gave him a haircut for free because he was wearing his white coat. Um, and and the context of that episode is that he's sitting with a patient and all she's doing while he's giving her advice is just looking at her phone and just telling him how his advice is wrong, right? Looking at WebMD. <laughs> that's how, that's where we yeah. live today, y'all. Yeah, you know, that, like, there's um, a lot of parallels there. <laughs> yeah. Information, yeah, information right, right. is democratized, you know, like um, mm-hmm. everything is democratized, you know, and um, we live in a world where 
deconstruction is so easy. You can just deconstruct anything. Um, but, you know, and you can deconstruct to destroy. You can deconstruct to appreciate. Um, you can deconstruct to do all sorts of things. I think for me, what I find to be, um, what I found to be really healing was um, um, objectively, not objectively, that's, that's kind of like an incorrect word, but studying what I already knew from different perspectives. Yeah. I remember my first class I drew was Old Testament and the, 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 the adjunct professor, like the first thing that she said was like, this class is going to break your faith. And, um, and, yep. and, and, and that is, I wonder why that is only taught in seminary. Like, you know, this, this information is not only stored in seminary libraries anymore. It's democratized. There's a lot of context. There's a lot of different, there are a lot of different ways to interpret things. There are a lot of things that are the opposite of each other in our Holy scriptures. What does this mean? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, does it negate our faith? Or does it enrich our faith? Does it tell us more about God or less about God? And like, I feel like too often the answers were too easy in my life. You know, like, um, yeah. yeah, you read this, that is, is wrong. You know, you read this about the Bible, it's wrong. No, you got to go back to Strong's and, and, and look at the Hebrew word for this and that will validate everything. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just after a while that excuse gets really, really just dry and not true you know it's it's not mm. accurate so um yeah i i i found my faith to be renegotiated through through knowledge um and through just in frustration looking for more and um somehow finding more like for example and you guys can cut this out if you want but you know like um one of the things that i've uh, been thinking about is how the book of esther right like esther as a historical figure is probably not very likely i mean it's like a pretty outrageous situation that being said <laughs> does it tell us a lot about god and mm -hmm. how god thinks about his people right um and and particularly how god moves in situations yeah and is that I mean, does that enrich my faith or does it destroy my faith? I, I feel like it enriches mine, you know? So that's just kind of like my perspective. Um, the group that we hold at My Sanctuary Healing, a lot of what we talk about is around that kind of theme. Um, it's about how to renegotiate the things that happen to you. How do you renegotiate all the information in the world? And these days, how do you renegotiate the hate that you see? You know, coming out of a lot of mainstream representations of faith yeah. with your own faith and with your understanding of who Jesus is and how the church moves. It's pretty tough. Um, so it's something that we find requires conversation and um, constant vigilance and back and forth. Yeah, I am. Um, so I have known that I wanted to be in ministry since I was four. Yeah, right. I was one awesome. of those, right. I was one of those kids. Um <laughs> and it it is interesting uh the renegotiating that I've done in my lifetime too but when I was getting ready to go to college um right you have the options before you you know this is the scary time of your life where you now have to make a decision about how the rest of your life is going right. to go this is it right. Yeah. Right, this is it. You're going to make it now, and it's going to change the trajectory of the rest of your life. Right, that's what they make you believe. Mm -hmm. um, but I wound up going to a very, very secular school. Hmm. Um, so I graduated from Smith College in uh, Northampton, Massachusetts, and I was a religion major. And 
I remember going to my very first Bible class right now. This was, I graduated from uh, high school in 2010. Um, I am a baby uh, and walking onto campus. Right. And I grew up in the church. I am a cradle Methodist um, and sitting down in that very first class where my professor was not a Christian man, right? He was a mm. Jewish man who's uh, an incredible scholar and an incredible teacher and proceeded to deconstruct everything I thought I knew, right? <laughs> right. About yeah. and, and like literally deconstruct. Like the first time somebody said, you know, Noah's Ark didn't happen that way. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, not a bunch sense. of animals, you know, peering right. out the the dock with smiles while there's a rainbow right. in the back. No, right. but, yeah. and, and, and that it more. didn't happen even according to the way scripture portrays it. Right. Yeah. And it's right. not like the dinosaurs yeah. missed the boat, literally. It's, <laughs> right. it's, it's, right. Right. Like, there's so much more there. And I remember it was a women's college and of the students that I started with, uh, almost almost all of us who started in religion were faith-based folks. Hmm. And by the time we graduated, there were only two of us who oh still had any sort of faith left, right? Because hmm. we've never been given permission hmm. or space or tools to understand how we can take all of the things that we learned in Sunday school and apply them to this chapter in our lives. Right. And so, right. So that makes it hard to navigate what we do next. So what it, what advice would you give to us who are like, if you like a really quick, like if you do nothing else, if you're still in ministry, do this mm -hmm. to help people navigate their own stuff in ministry. Mm -hmm. What would your like, two to three sentences of here's, here's what you should start doing. Okay. Yeah. I got this. Write a <laughs> list of the top five communities or people that make you the most uncomfortable and then go there. Mm. It's so easy. I find that the most healing or most impactful thing for people who have experienced spiritual trauma or are struggling with just the whole idea in general is to stick themselves into a different tradition, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's a different expression of Jesus or something that's entirely out on its own. If you do that, a lot of things come into context. And yeah. you realize, oh, this whole thing is a lot bigger than like the cross and flames, you know, my little church, my my family. It's a lot bigger than this, you know, and it's, uh, it's a really cool experience. Mm -hmm. That's excellent yeah, advice. Awesome. And you know, another layer to the renegotiation of faith that I keep hearing and I just want to pinpoint on is the importance of a community to renegotiate that faith with. Oh, so 100%. I think from spiritual trauma, you know, oftentimes we are getting disconnected from a community that we associated with. And that is very isolating. And sure, that leads to deconstruction that can be healthy, but it also through isolation it's very easy for like you had mentioned early on for the hate and the anger to fester and how important it is to have a community like that you talk about in my sanctuary healing where you're able to have those conversations openly and therefore uh you know just get rid of the shame that may be associated with it 
and renegotiate the faith in a way that is constructive and creative and hopefully life-giving. So yeah, uh, I would just add just the importance of not renegotiating that faith alone, but really doing it in community where you are safe. 100%. I know that's, yeah, I know that's hard to Another find. Another thing that I hear you saying, Andrew, spaces. that I think is really important is the time you take away. Mm. It's okay to walk away. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's really important for people to hear in general, whether they're sitting in the pews and navigating what comes next or we're serving in ministry, that walking away doesn't equate that you'll be gone forever. Mm. And taking time to sort of process your stuff is really important. Yeah, right. Definitely. I think sometimes we want to shove ourselves back into like, oh, this church really hurt me. And so now this will always be my experience for the rest of my life. Um, or I'm going to, you know, it's like when you're in a, bad, a chronic bad relationship person and you're like, well, this yeah, next relationship will fix partner, me. <laughs> relationship partner. And then you rebound. You don't need to rebound churches. Don't rebound too fast. Just take some time. That is true. Take some time. Take some time to figure your stuff out. I think that that's Mm. hugely important too, is, you know, giving yourself the grace and the space to be able to say, I can walk away and that there is a life outside of this. Um, And I will find my way back in maybe a different way, but, um, yeah, awesome. God will make a way where there seems like there's no way. Amen. It's crazy how that that happens. You know, it's um, it's pretty unreal. And um, yeah, no, I agree with both of you. Um, one slight uh, asterisk is um, when you're engaging online, just kind of like be careful because like I feel like oftentimes because there are not many communities where you can have these conversations, people go online, and I have found some really wonderful communities online. The thing is, is that it's just a lot less safe. Like you just don't know what's going to happen, what someone's going to post, how that's going to affect you. Um, Also, there's just that less care uh, for each other in an online setting where everyone's anonymous. So you can't really think that that person who's saying this thing is really thinking about you and saying it, right? So um, just be mindful if you're on that journey. Um, You know, if you're having trouble finding people, you know, I'm certainly happy to be a resource and try to navigate you to a community that can sort of talk to you. But yeah, the online stuff sometimes is, uh, gets a little tricky. Yeah. So Andrew, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast. I I know we could talk forever about this, uh, but I'm hoping that some of our listeners who are struggling or feeling alone, uh, would be able to find that community and, perhaps my sanctuary healing could be that community. So if uh, there was some of our listeners who wanted to find out more about it, uh, where can they go to get that information? Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, our, our website is in progress. I am not the director of communications there, unfortunately, but <laughs> our website is in progress. I'm just playing. The website would never come out if I was. Um, the website is in progress. So in the meantime, um, if you are somebody who is resonating with the story, wants to learn more, or just wants to sort of just bounce stuff off of a you know, me or my community, or just want to get some more information, please email me, treasurer at mysanctuaryhealing.org. Or you can hit me up on my personal email, ru.andrew at gmail.com. It's R-Y-O-O dot Andrew at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we can talk it out and um, have good conversations. 
Awesome. Thank you, Andrew. Before we let you go, there is one last question that we ask all of our guests, and I'm going to let Gabby do the honors for that. (laughs) All right. So you uh, have already shared that you are a PK, that you grew up in the Methodist denomination. So you know that we are obsessed with our potlucks. Mm. That's why we are the Uncovered Dish podcast. So if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what would it be and why? What would it be and why? Um, I would. I so so I think my favorite food category is a sandwich. And my 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 favorite food, my favorite sandwich is a burger. And I just feel like there are a lot of ways that you could make permutations of it. So I, I would choose burger. Pretty safe. Oh. I thought you were gonna go with ribs. I was like, uh, I thought you were gonna say ribs, but burger I listened to this is. podcast, so I thought very hard about this before coming on. <laughs> We love a guest who does their research. Uh, thank you so much. I try my best. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <clears throat> well, uh, once again, uh, we had the conversation with Andrew Rue, and he is the treasurer of My Sanctuary Healing. We just had great conversations uh, about uh, healing, renegotiating your faith uh, through difficult times of spiritual trauma. And uh, if you'd like to find out more, as Andrew just shared, you could reach him at uh, treasurer at mysanctuaryhealing.org or ru.andrew at gmail.com. Uh, Andrew, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Uh, we hope to uh, hear from you soon. Let's let's uh, let's oh, talk yeah. more. No, let's hang and, out. I mean, you yeah. know, Gabby, we gotta hang out soon. You know, I mean, for a little yeah. so. over <laughs> burgers and some ribs too. Yeah, we learned that we're neighbors, so it's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll try to squeeze myself in uh, between the two of you. Nah, fair That's enough. Right. Biscotti is invited too. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Take care, Andrew. We'll talk again. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.